Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast where you get to learn the difference between wacky and wooing. I think I'm going to need an adult on this one. Well, good luck here. <laughs> yeah, there, there's there's signs uh, uh, over in, uh, in in Europe that say, uh, you know, at restaurants saying all Americans must be uh, accompanied by, by an, an adult. adult. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week, we are talking about disquieting factors in your role-playing games. And what and why we're talking about this is that we've spoken before that it's super, super, super hard to do uh, horror, okay? Because, frankly, you know, horror only works if your characters and your players are exposed, if they feel vulnerable, if they feel like they're not in control. Okay, and of course, as most people play games where it's all about min-maxing, making your character the you know, absolute best at whatever it is that they do, and therefore they're in control, and they're not vulnerable, or any of those things. So I basically kind of gave up on the idea of playing a horror game unless it's something that is, you know, specifically designed for that like oh uh i can't think of it but they use the jenga tower um oh um dread i think dread yes you're correct thank you jonathan uh dread so you know which as as you keep pulling jenga pieces out where the tower falls over then somebody dies so you know it's coming you know and you try to keep it from happening as long as possible but um so that can throw some real dread and horror into a situation but we're not talking about that what we're talking about is disquieting factors in other words all the things that you as a gm can do to make your worlds your situations whatever you know as unnerving disquieting gross jonathan what uh, I should say, Trav, what is the definition of squick? Okay, and and I learned of the word squick from my dear friend Tom Rockwell, a.k.a. Devo Spice, the man who administers the Funny Music Project website, thefump.com. And it's where usually it's disturbing subject matter. And there is an explicit rating on that site, but there's also a squick rating where just, okay, they may not be swearing in this comedy song, but just there's a lot of gross stuff in the song. And to me, that that's squick. That's just like, yeah, you you just you you could be totally talking in, you know, scientific verbiage and all this, but just the matter you're talking about it, just your first reaction is you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jonathan, you got something to add to that? Well, I can say that it's, I kind of experienced earlier when we were having our, you know, pre-show discussions and you were describing one thing. It was like, uh, it sends the shutter down your spine and makes you want to run to the bathroom to throw up and 
or uh, bleach your brain or <laughs> bleach bleach my eyes yeah. yeah brain bleach oh yeah yeah brain yeah bleach. okay there's not uh, there's not enough fire in the world to purify me of what <laughs> i've just heard right right it's it's that when it's it's when you suddenly realize what's going on and suddenly you are uh in, involuntarily lurking away sometimes violently okay where you clap your hands over your ears or your eyes or even your mouth okay where you're just suddenly sh there's a shock that hits you when you realize what it is that you're seeing uh or experiencing and you know and, and it's it's it is revulsion but it, it does but it also could just be a kind of an avoidance where you just simply don't want to see it okay you know so this is different than horror where you might have a real visceral response where you feel sick. But I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's like that. Now, Jonathan, though this can sometimes be squick, what is spooge? That one I have honestly no definition for. I've, I've got a definition, but it is not safe for family environments. No, no, no. That's okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. right. Yeah. Well, let let me do it then because yeah. spooge is where you have usually some kind of liquid or gelatinous material or something, and it is applied liberally, okay? You know, to an object, to a person. Uh, there was a show called Slimed, I think, where they literally poured, a, uh, you know, a big giant bucket full of slime down on somebody who, who failed, the, failed the quest, or if you won, you got to say who got who got slimed spooge is like that except it's not because they were using slime but you can use other things okay you can use you know it could be uh, oils it can be uh, mud it can be um you know really any liquid that that has a, a thicker consistency you know rather than you know honey and it, it's uh you know but it could also be unpleasant yeah you know as in runny eggs for example, uh, it could be almost anything that's kind of viscous. And yeah, will and, stick and especially if you touch it and it sticks to you and it makes strands and and stuff like that. And and uh, usually, you know, uh, and then of course anybody who gets this done to them immediately goes and wants to share the wealth to everybody around them. And, you know, and of course, you know, sometimes that can be fun, you know, like, okay, go. All right. I got it. Ghostbusters to the slime that everybody, but Bill Murray was coated in after they were in the sewer yes. and they're in the restaurant. And as they're trying to explain their flailing hands, it's going all over. Yes. And Bill Murray yells the famous lies. Guys, guys, you're scaring the straights. That would be spooge. <laughs> yes, yes, and 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 because in that particular case, the slime was just sl uh, slime. It could be positive or negative. In the case, in that particular case, it was negative because it was where it was. But then they yeah. took it and they they put it inside uh, uh, the Statue of Liberty and they turned it into good slime. Or, yeah. and they used it to, literally to power some stuff. I mean, there was a whole there was a whole um, you know revolution uh, of energy that was implied by that, that they didn't do anything with, with the latest uh, Ghostbusters, but that's, that's a, a complete aside. Um, yeah. Okay. Anyways, so there's that. Okay. But that also could be part of this disquieting because of course, you know, if you're the person who's going around doing your everyday, doing whatever you're doing. Okay. And suddenly that happens to you, then you have a you have like really two choices. Either it's like, I'm already wet, I might as well go swimming, or get this off of me right now. 
hands. And, you know, and we can't do anything more until I go take a shower for a couple hours. Okay, you know, that's that there are usually two major reactions to this kind of thing, you know, and, and because, you know, it, it comes with a lot of other sensory input, you know, if it's just, if it's just like, you know, you getting hit with, oh, vegetable oil, okay? So it's, it, you can feel, it's tactile feeling, you know, on you, but it doesn't smell like anything. It doesn't really look like anything other than the fact you look wet and, 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 you know, shiny, you know, you might be able to live with that. But if in fact, it looks like mud and it looks like the muds from, you know, somebody's, um, compost top pile and it's just gloppy and, and stuff and it's everywhere then you might say I, I even though it might not be hurting you even though this might actually be very healthy stuff okay because like a plaster that they put over a wound to supposedly draw out you know bad stuff okay that's very spoogy okay but it's considered good and you're very much you know encouraged not to get it off of you until it's done its work okay so it's not not everything's like that you know and frankly women apply all kinds of salves and ointments and things like that as part of their daily beauty regimes so they really shouldn't have a problem you know they really shouldn't have a problem with things that are of that nature okay but sometimes they are and guys tend to guys might be more along that lines unless of course you work in the oil industry uh, and you end up getting you know spooge with crude oil <laughs> oh, no, no. At my, my 27 and a half years in the automotive aftermarket industry working in the chemical section. Oh, no, no, no. There you got stuff on you. And after a while, OK, what, what is the term? Occupational hazard. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I for a, a very short period of time, I worked at oil refineries. Um, oh. And uh, one particular oil refinery. Uh, and, and I don't I don't know if you really know how they, they basically take oil and they they run it through these uh, various dis, distillery type apparatuses and the the stuff that's you know the, the very easy to boil and stuff like that that's what goes in your uh, you know your, it goes into your your lamps it goes into your Coleman stoves it goes into your car and other things like that stuff's a little bit more viscous that's the oils you use to lubricate your cars and things like that and then you get all the way down to the bottom okay and you get the stuff that they used to make asphalt roads out of oh yeah one of my friday gamers works at a local refinery in the downriver detroit area yeah oh yeah. you know she's told me some stories yeah okay so uh they decided that us you know, summer help, because <laughs> it was a summer help program. We were all in college trying to, you know, make a good living for money for the next year. And they says, oh, well, you know, we had a pipe break over by this one thing. We need you to go over there and clean it up, okay? So literally, there is a pool of essentially um, uh, uh, liquid uh, asphalt um, and uh, or something along the lines of roof tar something you'd use to, you know, waterproof your roof or whatever. And they're like, and I'm like, look at it and say, okay, how do we get this stuff up? And they're like, oh, use jackhammers. <laughs> so we're like using these jackhammers to like, you know, slice this stuff up, which is still very viscous and 
flexible and things like that. And it's getting on our clothes, it's getting on our gloves, it's getting everywhere. You wipe the side of your face, you now got it on your face. Oh, you know, geez. we didn't know, you know, we, we were, you know, we're guys working at a refinery, we didn't shave every day. So now it's on our beers and stuff like that. We had it in our hair, we had it everywhere. Okay. You know, and I, I come home that night and my aunt, who I'm living with at the time, is like looking at me going, and what do you think I'm going to do with your clothes? And I said, I think you better burn them. <laughs> but I, I would be careful that you put it out in the backyard because it's probably, it'll burn a while because considering what it's made, what's on it. She actually took it down to a dry cleaner and got them to clean them and they look brand new. And I was just like, oh, man, wow. he says, you know, I don't know what that cost. <laughs> but anyways, uh, and I didn't have to do it again. It was just that one that one job they gave, made us do. But uh, anyways, I'm just saying that's guys get into this kind of thing. You know, it happens. You know, uh, if you work at a meatpacking plant, you better be prepared that you're, you know, there's going to be stuff sprayed on you. Okay, there's and, and various and there's going to be fat and stuff that you're going to have to be constantly trying to clean off and you know and whatever. So I'm just saying is that life is full of things like this, but most of us who are in gamers come from these nice um, oh uh, clean environments. I mean I you know where we get up in the morning we take our nice shower with our nice shampoo and uh, you know and we. If we do apply anything like that, it's done very carefully and scientifically according to some beauty regimen or, you know, we, we put some wax under our arms or whatever, you know, it's all very specific. And then we spend the rest of the time basically not touching anything like that. I mean, it's all very sanitized, you know, um, and, 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 and everything is away from us. So if you have a group like this, okay, who are just so, so not that sort of thing, you know, until like they get married and they have kids and then you got to deal can't, with that kid. Can't with, escape it then. You got to yep. deal with the kid with the diaper. Okay. And that's yep. a that, whole that different world. A lot of issues. There's yeah. a lot of whole different world there. Okay. But until that happens and a lot of gamers, of course, are younger and they haven't run into that, okay, this is, you know, so these kinds of things can really make a big difference, okay? You can really create a disquieting environment for them. You know, I mean, you don't want to do it so much that they basically flee your table. Okay, but still, you can basically turn, you know, make it the environment which they're in alien because what's the big problem, uh, Crab, with most science fiction on television? Because it is on media that everybody sees, they don't want to gross people out too much. They, they, they make it, okay, it's different, but it's not gross. I mean, there is the whole ratings thing after a while. They don't want the FCC c coming down on them or whatever, or a rating in the MPAA, you know. So yeah, they, they don't want to make things too alien, you know, as they say, for the children. You know, they, they just don't want to alienate, pardon the pun. Well, no, heck, it was intended. They don't want to alienate their audience. So, uh, Jonathan, can you give me an example of a television of something that was their attempt to be alien, you know, to bring alienness to, you know, of a race, you know, to, to the, you know, the, the general public? I mean, usually the examples I can all think of is they just act weird. You know, they have a different behavior, but yeah, they're almost always humanoid, nothing particularly different about them other than, oh, this one looks like a bird or this one looks like a lizard, but they're all, it's, it comes down to cultural differences and, and behavior. They don't, and language, they don't do anything truly ick. The best example of something 
approaching that is the alien from the alien franchise the xenomorphs oh those. i would say i would say farscape did a good job of being gross i mean at, at the very least you had a, you had one of the characters who farted helium right and at the very yeah at the yeah. very most you had uh i believe it was fourth season where oh below pilot's den they have you know, oh, these bats that help clean out parts of Moya, and there's these vast pools of, well, their droppings. And it's like blue and kind of squishy, and yeah, it would definitely be squick. Right. And, oh, okay. and cr- Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, actually very be... daring for television, okay? Yeah. Mostly what we saw for, you know, most of most people's memories are, um, you know, the bug on the nose in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know a, a couple of spines here, a, a head ridge. You're an alien, okay? <laughs> some, some, some weirdly colored, uh, some yellow contacts, you know, in your eyes. You're an alien, okay? That that's what made you an alien, and your behaviors otherwise were not terribly, terribly un- unusual, okay? And I I think that the biggest gross-out thing that I saw uh, them do in all of Star Trek was uh, gawk. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, for those of our listeners who don't know what that is, uh, Trav, you want to say what that is? Live spiny worms that the Klingons would eat. They they would eat them dead, but they prefer them live. And there was the episode where Riker was first officer on a Klingon. It was sort of a cultural exchange program. It was a cultural exchange. And so Riker was first officer on a Klingon ship. So he had to, he indoctrinated himself eating Klingon food. And so you're seeing was it the tibious claw and then the gawk, and they're making it where these worms are moving around. I'm just like, oh, dude, you know. But yeah. yeah, so I that was yeah that right. that was just not fun to watch. And that but it, but that was really minor, don't you agree? Oh yeah, yeah, it was minor. I mean, I mean, they could have really done you know if they had CGI, they could have really made a move. But basically, there was probably a stick under the table or a magnet with something that made them you know shift back and forth. But yeah, just but just, you're, you you think about it, it's okay. These are live worms that this human is swallowing. You know, you know, there's going to be damage later. You know, and you're seeing them; they've got barbs on them and everything. You know. But yeah, I think Gok is probably the nastiest thing that I can recall has ever been on Star Trek. Right. The, the second nastiest thing that I can recall is when they had the uh, fish people. Uh, I don't. I mean, they kind of looked like fish, and they were they were asleep when they arrived. Okay, and um, uh, in this particular episode, they were looking for assassins on the ship, and they um, uh, but the, and and they basically put them over, you know, on the side of the transporter room, and for most of the episode, they just stood there because they're asleep. At the end of which, they wake up, and the uh, doctor says, oh, quick, quick, bring over their food. They're going to be ravenous because they've been hibernating all this time. At which point, they're dipping in to raw fish and just slurping it, you know, and, and you know, everyone's like, ah, don't look at it, <laughs> stuff like that. And the fish people are like, oh, oh, oh. You know, and of course, it turns out that they are, are the assassins. <laughs> Nobody could find the assassins because they were literally asleep on the job because they were still hibernating from their trip. Because for some reason, they could only travel by um, transporter if they were unconscious. Anyways, but you know that whole slurping up the the, the raw fish was was uh, pretty pretty squeaky. Okay, so anyways, and it had all that stuff. So what we're gonna do now, you know, that we've let you know brought talked about what we're going to talk we're going to say what things can you add as a gm because this is really a gm design 
uh, uh, topic, uh, to your world, to your people, to your adventures, okay, so that the people, so you get, really can create a sense of alienness, you know, to the world that they're on, you know, so that the when they're there, you know, uh, and you got to know, again, this is one of these, you got to know your players, what their limits are, you know, you, re you really don't want to, it's okay to drive them away from the table, but then you got to make it safe for them to come back. You know? Yeah. So, but I'm saying you don't want to do it too much. Uh, so it's really important that you, you know, you know, know their limits, but we're not going to worry about that because we have no limits. Uh, we're going to tell you all the different things you can do and you pick and choose based upon, you know, what, um, you know, what you can do. And we, we have some examples. Uh, each, each of us has come up with some examples to share with you of a particular scenario or whatever. Okay, but before we do that, I'm just going to talk. I'm going to. I want to talk in general about the various things that can be used to create these disquieting factors in your adventure. Okay, and the very first one is storms. You know, classic horror, classic gothic, and things like that. Storms. So when storms come in. Everything changes, you know, it, it stops being a, a happy, friendly time, and all of a sudden it's different. It changes the mood, it changes the lighting, it changes the soundscape, okay? I mean, storms prevent vision, so you can't see as far as you used to be able to see. So you have, you lose that sense of, 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 uh, confidence that you had of being aware of what's going on around you it can the sound could be so loud it can deafen you or at least it can mask other sounds so if you know if somebody's sneaking up on you uh and you're hearing the splashing of rain falling off of buildings and things like that you might not be able to hear their footsteps when normally you'd be able to so your character is going to be a kind of disquieted they might be more on alert but eventually that becomes exhausting so usually what happens is that people just kind of accept that soundscape or whatever as norm okay and even though it might actually put them in greater danger Okay. Of course, it you know it can hide things that you're looking for. If you're searching around, you might not be able to see the very things that you're trying to find. You're like, you know, we keep looking for it. Why can't we find it? Well, it's really raining hard, or it's snowing really hard, or it's sandstorm is going on. I mean, it doesn't have to be rain. It could be any of these things that include vision or create this uh, deafening soundscape. Okay, and if it's powerful enough it can literally carry you away you can actually be blown away by by a storm or the an object that you have can be ripped out of your hands and carried away and now you're having to chase it through this very un uh unpleasant environment where you're soaked to the bone and water sluicing off of you and your feet are stuck in the mud and you're getting it all over you and you're getting that whole spooge thing going on because of the environment that you're in, you know, and yet you still have to push forward because if you don't, you could die depending upon the situation or B, you have to achieve your goal in a limited amount of time or C, you know, you need, you know, it, if you, you know, if you lost something, you have to find it before it gets destroyed uh, by whatever the, uh, the, you know, this bad environment is. So storms can be a really good way of creating a disquieting uh, environment. 
you know, and of course they, you know, the, the, the sounds of rain beating against a window can shock, can shock people, especially if it was like rain and then it turns to sleet. And now, you know, and, and are a huge, you know, uh, golf ball size, uh, 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 hail, hail comes crashing through windows or down, you know, uh, around a, a party that was outside. Not only, I mean, you know, and, and there's there's historical stories of, of rains of frogs and other things like that happening, you know, um, and no one knows why it happened or where it happened, but supposedly it happened. So you can do that, and the players look at you and go, what just happened? And you're like, I don't know. What do you think happened? Looks like you're all getting pelted by, you know, uh, uh, or there's a, there's a carpet. It looks like you know the ground is moving, and it's actually you know ten million um, caterpillars that are squeak, you know, they're moving, migrating, you know, across the the land. Okay, which is also historically uh, recorded. Okay, where these things would happen, and you're like, are they going to hurt us? Are you know? Uh, what does this mean? What, you know, uh, are, are they going to damage something? You know, what if they come our direction? What are we going to do? Who has any flamethrowers? You know, can, can we keep them out of our, our buildings? You know, if we touch them, are we going to become befouled? You know, are they evil? <laughs> All those questions and, you know, can, can suddenly be thrown about and the players are like, I don't know. I don't know what to do, you know, and then they have to figure it out. So you can really throw them off their game that way by throwing in these these elements that are totally unexpected, but actually have most of them have historical precedent. Just the the caterpillars that that hit my trigger right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would not want to walk across a, a carpet of 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 any bugs, but especially especially any that have you know more, more or less than six legs. And you know that if you walk out in them, they're going to climb, right? Oh yeah, they're going to yeah. You're. <laughs> No matter how fast you try and go, some are going to, you know, get and, and a when grip you squish them, they're slippery. Of course, you can lose your oh, footing, yeah. and then your back is all covered in in more dead, crushed caterpillar. Yeah, there's a there's a movie called Squirm that just capitalizes on this big time. So yeah, so much so that this one guy actually, you know, gets gets de, de, uh, uh, his face gets messed up by these these worms actually burrowing into his flesh and uh and, and at the end he's like dragging people and throwing them down into it saying you be the worm face i am and says i'm join me <laughs> so it's like they're like no no and then at the end of the movie they just disappeared and nobody ever saw them again yeah okay uh, good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean it's just like uh what happened what what was what caused that what you know this is like you know it, it was kind of like it was like a horror film but it really wasn't a horror film other than the fact that these things you know these these worms that they showed in ultra high close-up and they were like really scary when you saw them that way you know they had these spines and things like that and you know, these like, you know, claws around their, the opening that mostly worms usually use to eat dirt, but these things seem to have like claws on the ends, like jaws. So they, they could bite onto things and hold on. So anyways, yeah. So I'm just saying that, that, that can happen. You know, it's a storm or a swarm, you know, those, you know, and, and the birds is a good example of something that's very, very, 
uh, mundane. But all of a sudden, they're not because they're there in such numbers or they're behaving in concert with each other when they're not supposed to be doing that. Suddenly, you know, you got really weird, you know, it's, it's, it's disquieting, you know, all, and they're all chirping, 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 chirping. And suddenly you walk out and it gets dead silent. They all look at you <laughs> and yeah, it, it, it's great if you can really bring that across to your players, you know, so. You know, I did that one time. Uh, matter of fact, just a couple of weeks ago I had, yeah. And I, I used the Melor and what it was they wanted to, they had to, yeah. Okay. Avebury Hinge. There's this dragon slaying sword buried in between the two central circles. Dig it out and bring it back to me. They get there and this henge, which is a real place. It's like 20 miles north of Stonehenge. Sheep, as far as the eye can see, all throughout, just grazing, minding their own business. My character starts blasting into the ground, dig a hole. Every sheep turns to the noise at once and their eyes glow red. Now, one of my players knew okay, what was going on? He figured it out because I ran Melor against him before and he just, oh, yeah. And the other's like, what, what, what? No, no. <laughs> and and Z's like, let let him finish. <laughs> and I and I, I met, and I don't do horror very well. I, I know this is not one of my genres, but apparently I managed to scare them because the sheep, as they were charging, were turning into least Melor and coming at them just from all directions. And that I must have done something right there because I scared the crap off. But it was the sheep all turned you at once and their eyes simultaneously. Hundreds of pairs of eyes turned red. And I was like, I was told afterwards, yeah, I, I yeah, they, they were not kind names to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the fun thing about Mallor is because they're regenerating creatures, okay, they can injure themselves trying to do things okay and 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 recover and keep on gumming so it's not it, it usually when you first introduce people to meller you, you usually let them fall back to like a building or a structure of some kind and then the meller circle the building and start chewing their way in yeah and they're like going how long is this building gonna last and I'm like i don't know how long do you think he says they don't seem to be slowing down. They're, they're, they, you, you see them pulling off a piece of, of masonry off the side, you know, uh, spitting out teeth, and then and then come, and then you know looking up at you and showing a fresh set of teeth in his mouth and going back for some more. You're like, I don't think we can stay here forever. I think they're going to get in, you know, and that's that's where the horror comes in because you, again you you've made them vulnerable. You made them you know fearful that they they're not. In, capable of handling this and they've got to figure out what to do in order to escape you know and um so it, it's 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 the classic adventure where they're in a meller hell which has a portal on one side of this large area and another portal on the other and in between there's meller and you have to get from one to the other in order to escape that back onto the fringe pass where it's safe and the Meller can't go because the fringe pass will kill any Meller that goes onto it. But you have to get there. And so how are you going to do that? These things can move as fast as you can. So what are you going to do? What's your what's your solution? You know, and lots of, um, you know, even though Richard Toholka told people don't be dicks, you know, and don't, you know, don't be 
sadistic and things like that. It was really, really tempting to let the party TPK in, in these kinds of situations. Oh, no, no, no. When Whenever I find a time to use the Melor, that part of me as a GM and someone as a person comes out. And yeah, Z, Breakman Z, my co-host and my dear friend, uh, soon to be Pixie's stepfather. Yeah, Trav, you're an effing dick for from those Miller. What the? I said, I didn't create them. Don't shoot the messenger. Richard's address is, you know, when he was still yeah. alive. Yeah. It, yeah. It's still his address. <laughs> you can well, still, you, was, you can still send your, your, your letters of complaint to TriTac games. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, Trav, you're an effing dick. And I'm like, hey, you know, this is what Rich told me. I, I sat at the feet of the master to learn how to run these things. This is right. what they do. Yeah, I mean, and that's what Z was the one that when I ran it in the game a couple weeks ago for the Maze World game, Jeff Deref, Amber, and Perky Goth. Yeah, I don't think I ran Mellor against Perky Goth before, or if I did, she didn't remember him. It had been a while, so Amber and Jeff Deref didn't know, and now now they know what the Mellor can do and how they are. And yeah, right. Um, yeah. Ho- but- okay, that'd be another thing. Hordes of well, yeah, I think that goes back to like you know the caterpillars and all that. Just hordes of creatures. Mm-hmm. It could be anything. It could be the birds. It could be caterpillars. It could be just it can be mice. It can be rats. It can be oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. snakes. Uh, you know, there's a reason why there's a St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> um, it can be, uh, you know, it could be any number of things. You know that that, that you know it could be. Uh, you know, in uh, the Church of the Latter Day Saints, you know, they had hordes of locusts, which are just grasshoppers, by the way, with wings. Um, comes down to eat their crops, all right, and um, and they're everywhere, you know, and they're crawling on people. They're not hurting people; they can't do that. But they're still landing and fluttering their wings, and they're all over you like a big buzzy cloud and things like that. And people are freaking out. Okay? And now I'm reminded of the scene from the uh, the first Mummy movie where the guy's holding the book and he's just covered in locusts. Yeah, yeah right. You know, and, oh, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and, and to make it special, okay, suddenly comes flocks of seagulls, okay, who come in and they, they land and they start eating the, the locusts like crazy, okay, until their bellies are full. And then they, they pick up and they fly over someplace, I forget where, and they puke it all out. Okay. And then they come back for more. Okay. So, you know, that, that there's a little divine is supposed to be a divine intervention, but you know, you've got birds, you know, who are eating these things and then they're puking it out somewhere, you know, and going back for more. And it's just, it, it's a really squeaky situation, really, if you think about it. But I'm sure that when they tell the story, it's much more sanitized. Cause well, they... the thing is, I mean, seeing, uh, you know, if something were to be, uh, never mind, I'm going to try to make a, lock, a flock of seagulls, the band joke, and it's not going to work out. Anyways. Okay. All <laughs> I right. recognize the attempt. Yeah. Thank uh, you. Well, you know, nice, nice for that. By the way, you know, when you're in those kind of situations, you know, where you know it looks like they're going to go and TPK your party. That's the the golden moment that Richard doesn't say you should do, but I know because I knew him and I know him so well. This is what he really wanted you to do. It, this was the uh, they they captured the A team and they locked them in a warehouse full of uh, power tools and rebar. <laughs> and, and suddenly, you know they're you know. You know, it's it's an opportunity for you to go and look at the place that you're trapped in, and suddenly realize all the resources that are in there, and start using it to make some Rube Goldberg contraption to help you escape. 
whether you're 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 basically gonna you know, make a uh, you know a bridge that'll get you somewhere, or you can make an air air balloon, or you can make a giant um, uh, a bungee uh, not bungee uh, uh, jumper type thing springs that you can put put onto your feet so you can come down, jump, and 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 jump above the least smeller so they can't grab at you while you're running. And just you know, there, there's a solution there that you that, that you're given the opportunity as a GM to your players to figure out. So then all of a sudden you say, "Oh, we're not going to die. We can do this," and it's a wonderful moment for them. Okay, so that's what Richard always wanted people to do. He just didn't bother to tell them to do that. So sometimes you know he he would create a huge threat, but then he always you know he always felt you know that people should be. The gamers were creative enough and GMs were smart enough to give them these uh, a way of, of solving the problem. Okay. Well, Bruce, you always have said for any type of situation, you put, you know, like a plot or whatever, give give them three outs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah. that's something I remember you said early yeah. on. And three, yeah, there should always be three paths to the solution. You know. So, yeah. Because they'll never find the right path. <laughs> Yeah, probably make up a fourth one anyway. But and and that's great if they can. But at least if you give them three of them, they'll trip over at least one of them while they're yeah. doing it. Yeah. So, anyways, mm-hmm. all right. So, yeah, sw- uh, swarms of things. Those are great. Those just really, you know, is this? You know, you're not. That's not normal. Okay. You know, you, when you see swarms of things, you know, it's 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 time. You know, like swarms of uh, uh, army ants. It's time to run. Okay. Yeah, you're, there's never oh, no, a the time. Fire, the fire ants from the fourth Indiana Jones movie. Those actually weirded me out. Just that mm-hmm. whole the scene of them going through the jungles and everything and devouring yeah. that guy. And yeah. yeah, yeah. There's never a time when a swarm of anything is a good thing. Right. A swarm of kittens. No, no, still freaking. No, out. no, no, no. Yeah, no. I'm, 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 I'm actively puppies? sitting here no, trying no. to think. Is there yeah. anything that I would a swarm of that would I would go? Oh. Or that's not too bad, but well, no. you know, in the ocean they call them schools of fish, not swarms of fish, and it seems to be okay when you say it that way. Yeah, I guess that. But even then, when you say the word school, I see a picture of a certain size of grouping. While if you were to say a swarm of fish, I see a different size, much bigger, much scarier. Yeah, you see. Although you, you don't I have say no a doubt. school of uh, uh, of. Oh, now I'm forgetting their names. Pir- you don't say a school piranha. You say a swarm no, of piranha. Swarm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah swarm, so- swarm is chaotic. Swarm is out of control. Swarm sounds bad. So, yeah, it does. Yeah, it comes with its own, you know, kind of implicit chaos and, and unwieldiness that is going to put people off. It's going to disquiet your players. Sure. Sure. Sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's move along to the, to the next one. Uh, which is lighting, okay? I already mentioned the fact that storms can change the lighting and that can basically make people feel a little bit weirded out when suddenly, you know, this, the bright sunny day becomes dark and and uh, and uh, all the contrasts become really high. So where you know, light and darkness, you know, is and they switch because, you know, what was, what was a light area? Suddenly the storm gets worse and it becomes a dark area and you can't see in it anymore. So lighting can be like that. And if you do alien worlds, okay, our sun, you know, our nice yellow sun produces a, a certain selection of light that we like. 
because we, you know, it's natural for us. You go to a sun that has a lot of copper in it. What's the number? What's the main color coming out of that? Uh, I believe green. Green. What do you think that does to all the other all the other colors that should be there? It's gonna probably distort them all. Make them right. What does everybody look like when you're under a green sun? Oh, nasty looking. Yeah. You look like the you know uh, the wicked witch of the uh, of the west in. Um, Oz, the great and powerful. Yeah. She's a beautiful woman, and frankly, I still found her attractive as the Wicked Witch of the West. <laughs> but, I mean, that face, that was like, whoa. You know, seriously, what's up with that color? That that almost glowing green that she was. She And, and, uh, and all these other colors are wrong. Some colors just don't exist. I don't think blue exists. You know, so all the things that are supposed to be there, you're seeing just basically a weird collection of colors, and some are missing. And that's going to be very disquieting because everything you look at looks wrong at that point. You look wrong. You don't want to look at your face in a mirror. It's just, like, shocking, okay? So lighting can be, you know, and and it can be a real problem because we have a lot of visual cues that, that are color that we go by. For example, you might not be able to tell if your food is raw, okay? Because, you know, food, when it, you know, some food changes color when it becomes off. You know, bread mold, get a little green yeah. in there. But, I mean, if it's like, you know, it's one of those artesian breads with lots of, you know, uh, oats and nuts and things like that. Well, maybe you can't tell that's mold now. Maybe it just looks like the rest of it because everything is green. Eating green food. Uh, I can tell you right now that my mom basically uh, thought she was doing a really great thing by, and my wife did it too, uh, saying, I, we're going to use, uh, it's Christmas. We're going to use green food coloring in some of the food. Nobody oh. ate any of the green food. They ate the oh. red food. The red. They ate the uh, the the blue food. They would not eat the green food. The yellow food. Yeah. No. Anything that was green, they were just like, I don't think so. Except the except the tapioca. Is that I'm saying the right thing? Yeah. 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 Anything we we already associate with green, right, is is usually fine. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think we've... I don't think that's the right thing. It's it's, it's a fruit. You, you use it to make. Um, uh, not salsa, but the other thing. Avocado. Avocados. Thank you. With guacamole. Guacamole. Yeah. That was yeah. See that yeah that that they were fine with that because it was as you said, uh, uh, Jonathan. It was already green. So, but anything else that was the wrong color, you know, it's gonna be really hard to eat food. Yeah, now. It, it's a visceral thing that yeah. just uh, you know that 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 line that uh, Chris Rock says. You know, don't eat no red meat. No, don't eat no green meat. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah, it just seems we have that visceral reaction to green food because we associate it with going bad. Right. Yeah, but and, going bad or being unripe. Right. That okay. That yeah. well, unripe. Well, bananas. The, well, um, bananas. Yeah, bananas, tomatoes. Oranges. You know, but even then, you know, fried green tomatoes—that's a thing in the south. So fair enough. But but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so, yeah, says, most says, says the confirmed Yankee over here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it's just we have this visceral and it's almost a primal animal reptile brain thing with us, or at I, least here in America. I don't know. There might be foods that are green in America or out in the rest of the world that are fine. But here in America, we usually if it's not supposed to be green when it's good, don't eat it. Yeah. yeah. Limes are green. Mm-hmm. Uh, green beans, uh, you know, green broccoli. Leafy. 
green leafy vegetables, guacamole. Anything that definitely already seems to be plant, like plant yeah. parts, we seem to be okay right. with it being green. But, you know, no green meat, <laughs> no green eggs, <laughs> green eggs and ham. Yeah, don't and and don't be sitting there putting food coloring in like mashed potatoes. Nope. Which is what we did. You know, we learned. You know, uh, it's just. I am it going was, to do that now. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's it's fun to do it for like Halloween, but trust me, they're not going to eat it. So. <laughs> so. Jonathan, I will hear your kids screaming away, screaming, running away from the table from here. Right. <laughs> That's why it must be done. Right. There you go. Okay. And, you know, and, and, and for example, you can, and way you can do this at the table of gaming table is that you can do that. You could go and say, here's some food, you know, that you're eating now. Your, your player characters are eating this. Here's some nice, you know, ham salad, green ham salad. Here, have a piece. And you can just see them look, looking at it, picking it up, you know, the green bread and, Maybe sniffing at it, maybe even you know being brave enough to take a bite of it, and says it tastes okay. But I have seen people work themselves up to the point of throwing up because of this, you know, of stuff that they just they think that maybe it's off, and they and they worry themselves into such a state that they end up throwing up. And then of course it's confirming that, right? Oh, I threw oh, up. Yeah. I must. I must have food poisoning. Oh, I got to go to the hospital. I got to do this. You know. And my yeah. son has done that a, a number of times with cheese. He has this thing with cheese. He he doesn't like it, and he thinks it's he thinks it's squick. And if if we try if we give him something and we forget about and don't take the cheese off, and he eats it and realizes after the fact that he's eaten cheese, he will convince himself that he needs to throw it up. Oh wow! It can happen. Sometimes sure. it's it, you know he can just keep it as a at a low gag, but yeah. All right. Okay. And um, another thing that can happen with lighting is where it, um, and this is a little bit more specific. Okay. It's like if you were on a planet that was rotating so fast that the light from the sun or from the moons or whatever was strobing. Okay. That can actually make people sick. Well, yeah, that, yeah, that, that whole like epilepsy. Yeah. Well, epilepsy is where you go into convulsions, but I'm just seeing, just seeing like light flickering, Long enough, I mean, you know, it can actually make you ill. It can make you yeah, feel you're, ill. Okay. You're oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, early monitors, because they had a lot, some of them had bad flicker to them, they used to make people sick, you know, uh, uh, by using them. They had to take breaks uh, away from Fluorescent them. lighting in offices. If yes. If bulb is bad, it'll flicker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens. So I'm just saying is it's possible that you can use lighting to also make people feel uh, you know, off or uneased or something like that, you know. So uh, I, I, I do want to do a callback real quick when you talked about bringing food to the table for uh, your players. Yeah. Uh, please refer to a, a far back episode here in Gaming the Frontier with Andre Kruppa about props. Yeah, that, that's oh a, no. He, that is a callback, yes. <laughs> oh no, but it's a good episode. It's I a very good contact. episode. Yeah, I yeah. still keep in contact with Andre every every so often. Yeah. But no, that that is his thing. If you want to, you know, get props like, okay, yeah, if you want to put in the work. Yeah, I'm going to make some food with some green food coloring. I'm going to make these mashed potatoes, and they're green, and serve it as a dinner. Yeah, and if and you really want to mess with them, don't like it. make it uniform. Just put it in spots. 
So part of your mashed potatoes. Oh, is green. oh no, I wouldn't. Do <laughs> I'd be like, it's no, just no. food coloring, folks. No, 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 no. We all know oh. you. All three of us know, and she's been on here before. Who I would get to do that? Can you cook this for me, honey? Yeah, it's for a game. Thanks. Yeah. If you, you do know. it just right when you're making them, you can add some yellow over here and yeah. some blue over oh. here, and just mix it up so it's not uniform. Yep. You know, somebody, uh, somebody I know that would really probably go crazy with this would be. Uh, uh, the professor, Professor Josie. Oh yeah, no. I, I see no, her as no. being highly triggerable. Oh no, no. Trust me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know we're the best out of the three of us. Oh no, she's. And again, it, 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 I'm I'm picky too, so I know it's the autism, but still, her more so than me. I I know her food preferences, and yeah, giving her colored food like that, she'd be nope, nope, nope. I'm done. Nope, and walk right out. <laughs> All right. So, uh, uh, any other uh, environmental factors that you want to uh, bring up as uh, as something that can be used to create a disquieting? I would say something sensory. And you brought up the the. So we talked about I'm, light, and we've talked about. Um, I would say tactile. If you could get, I, I don't know if you guys had have this in your necks of the woods, respectively, but we have. You know, metro parks, it's, you know, privately owned parks, and we've got like about 15 of them here in the area. I worked at one for a few summers back in the early 90s, and we had a nature center there. And you could stick your hand in a box, and and then you had the option to lift the box and see what it is you were looking at. But it's like, yeah, put your hand here. Oh, it's all grainy and crumbly and all this, and feels kind of like, but you open it up, it's a sloughed-off snakeskin. And you, oh, man, we're putting, you know, it's like in the haunted house. They do peeled grapes, and you think it's eyeballs. Yeah. Things like that. Sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, no, just that that place, I went to Oakwood, and I'm not bad-mouthing the Huron-Clinton Metropolitan Authority at all. I used to work there, but just in the hand, and I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm like, you know, in my 20s, and I look in there. Who put a snakeskin in there? <laughs> it's a nature center, Robert. That's what it's supposed to be. Oh, okay. Let's see what you did there. But tactile stuff. Yeah. Just bring stuff like that to the table and, you know, close the eyes and make sure, okay, make sure your eyes are closed. Okay. This is what you feel, you know. Nice. That's, that's yeah, where, I, and that's where that like spoozy, squicky, you know, uh, thing comes in too, where like say there's like gelatinous material on stuff, you know, and Oh no! Get some of that Nickelodeon slime that you can get in the 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 the, you the, can the make eggs it, or whatever. You can make it a lot cheaper than you could buy it. There's lots of recipes. Yeah, there's, there's lots, lots of recipes. Of recipes. <laughs> there's some, that's something you you guys can do. It said. Notice I said something you guys could do. No, I'd end up burning the place down. Nope. Uh, <laughs> we actually about two years ago bought for the kids a slime kit that comes with pre-made slimes. But then oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Additives like little beads and little styrofoam balls you can uh, mix in with the slime to give it a different consistency. Mm -hmm. And you, they have a glow-in-the-dark powder you can add in and glitter. And my girls love playing with that slime. And that would be the perfect thing to have a to, to create yourself a non-uniform gelatinous goo. I think I do remember that. It was, yeah. Yeah, just put it in a bowl and say, oh, yeah. And, you know, all along the walls is this glistening material. Here, take it, put your fingers in here. <laughs> Try a That's sample. That's what it feels like. I was not touching it, says, <laughs> says all the players suddenly. Yep. I never <laughs> said not. I was touching it. Well, how do you know what it is, you know? See, th this is the thing. Getting players back, you know, when, when things quiet down, you get players back. Because there are still some people probably doing the the distance gaming. Yeah, that, that'd be the first thing. Yeah, welcome back. Feel this. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I mean, when you walk into an area and suddenly your shoes are going squick, squick, I mean, squish, you know, whatever, that's, that's, that's tiny suctioning, you know, give, you know, you know, uh, yeah, just where you, yeah. you just, and, and, you, and you, it makes that cracking sound as you, you know, as you, as you walk over it, like you're going over uh, un, not totally cured uh, floor, uh, floor coating or something like that. Oh no, no, no! The best Tacky scene paint. to describe. Yep. Yeah. The, yeah. the best scene to describe this. We've all seen this movie, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, the cave with the insects in it. And what a short round said. Feels like I'm stepping on fortune cookies. Then you know, Willie lifts her hand oh, and the yeah. praying man. That whole scene there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. It just that that would be the perfect example of when you're walking and feeling that, and it's yeah because it's insects crawling around, mm -hmm. and yeah, again the caterpillars are getting up into your pants and everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. That just reminds me of the um, the scene later where uh, Willie has to you know reach into the hole to pull the. <laughs> The lever, and so you've got the bugs and like the moss or slime. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. yeah, yeah. You see her gritting her teeth to do it. You know, yeah, so. and just Indy looking at her, going, "We are going to die." <laughs> oh yeah, no, it just, ugh, yeah, just yeah. Yeah, sometimes, day. sometimes yeah. it takes that level of uh, of motivation <laughs> to get you to do certain things. Uh. You know, so it's uh. Uh, I mean, there's a uh, there was a video game for, called for Saw, and at one point you have to there's a key, but it's at the bottom of a um, toilet, and the toilet is full of broken glass, and you have to dig oh. your fingers through the broken glass in order to find the key, so you can get out of the room that's filling with a poison gas or something like that. Okay, and you know you as the player know this. Okay, so and there's a and there's a meter on the screen that as you do it, it shows you how much pain your character is going through, and and the and the screen's like flashing red at you, showing you that you're you're, you're suffering from this, you know, and and things like that, and it's uh, you know, it's it's re it's really well done, and one of the reasons I didn't play the game. <laughs> I just saw this being demoed on YouTube and I was like going, okay, just this one thing that I'm seeing now makes me, I do not want to play this game. I do not, do not want to see how much I can stand be torturing my character in order to, to, to escape this, 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 uh, this maniacs, uh, play, play area. So, okay. So, uh, moving on to variable gravity. Okay. Uh, this is a little a little more weird, but I mean, it happens in fantasy worlds and things like that, where it's just you know the the the, the literally the gravity changes. It moves, okay. It pulls you different directions. You lose, you know, it's it's hard to keep your footing. It's you know, um, you know, you you're coming downstairs, and and instead of you going down what seems like one step, it's like you're suddenly going down three steps. Okay, if you're under a, a, a weight burden, like you're carrying a, like a lot of weight or treasure or something like that, that can really throw you off balance. Okay, so, um, you know, and can you imagine if you're in a vehicle and you're going along and suddenly uh, the gravity drops by, you know, 90% and you're in a vehicle that has springs in it. Okay, like most vehicles do. Oh yeah, and suddenly it bangs up, and you're hurled up into the air because you weren't expecting this to happen. And then it and then it changes the other direction, and suddenly you're being yanked down at multiple gra uh, G's, slamming into the ground, getting injured, 
you know, because prob because probably, you know, with the the sudden happening, you're not moving. You know, when you bounced up, you're not staying directly over top the vehicle anymore. You know, because depending upon how things are in the vehicle, you know, it might you might be thrown to the right or the left, forward or back. You know, and you find yourself not over the vehicle. And if you do, you come slamming down onto the vehicle surface, which might be steel, a lot of steel truck beds and things like that. So uh, you can really get injured by this kind of thing. And, and people just like, you know, I'm going to just strap down and wait till we get there because I can't trust anything, you know, and, and it, it, this could just literally be the way the world is. Uh, it, it, there could be uh, gravitational anomalous pockets all over the place, like in um, it's that Russian game. Is it Exodus? Uh, I can't remember. But there's there's they have all these you know dimensional pockets, and uh, the, you don't go into the pockets and go somewhere. But weird things happen inside those pockets. But here you are traveling somewhere, and they just pop up randomly, and you have to deal with what happens. You know, you said it's. It's just you know, like that. So mm -hmm. you're you can go, so the environment, like you know, gravity itself, can become your enemy and not your even, friend. Even if you don't go so drastic as that, just having the gravity be altered, even if it's at a very set line, because like um, one example I'm thinking of is the game um, Outer Wilds, where you had a a crystal that you know if you put if you hung the crystal on the wall if you attached it to the wall it would change the gravity so that you could walk on that wall and even that was kind of disquieting at moments because you'd be walking along and then suddenly okay now what you thought was you know north is now up well yeah because we have our internal balance and everything and vertigo i know people who've had vertigo i had a co-worker that i guess he you know cleaned a little too hard into his ear and popped his eardrum and he was a little dizzy and everything, and he, he had to drive to the clinic, and I guess it ruptured all the way, and he got out of his car, and he had to crawl across the parking lot to get into the clinic, because, and vertigo, yeah, so it's like, if you're messing with people's plane of gravity and their orientation, well, I mean, you really can't do that at a table, that is just something you're going to have to describe, but yeah, the real, the fact that you're, even if you're just walking on the wall, you're going to, you know, deal with that. Right. Well, in and a game just, like, it, it'll throw you off, you right. know, in, in your internal ear and everything. Well, in a game like Savage Worlds or a game like the TriTech system, okay, they have things in there that, you know, uh, uh, when you get into disquieting type situations, you fail a spirit check in Savage Worlds, you can become uh, shaken, where you become in, unable to do something. You know, ah, uh, uh, yeah, the mental stability stat in the tritech system, and yeah, you Pathfinder, can, yeah, you can just yeah. keep giving them negative, you know, uh, 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 mental stability points until they're like way into the negatives, and you're saying you're going crazy, you're basically becoming totally mentally unstable because of all these things that happen to you. They have sanity rules in Pathfinder One E. It is in Horror Adventures. I've used them. Yeah. Yeah. So these kinds of things can really mess you up. Yeah. So, and don't be afraid to use them then, you know, for your players. Because otherwise, you know, the players are going to just, are just going to shrug it off. But if you keep giving them a tangible uh, decline in their abilities, where you say, well, once you get to negative 10, you know, then some, you're, you know, you're going to take a minus to all your physical, to, you know, to all your coordination based stats or all to your mental stats. It's just be you know uh, because you're just your your mind is 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 tired 
of 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 these kinds of mental shocks that you're you're caught you're having to deal with in this in this um, alien environment. Yeah, they had a they had an um, and it, it it's Pathfinder and OGL. It's a setting called Center Space. It's done by a company called Fruit Loops, and it's not spelled like you would for the cereal. But they have a stat called Spirit, and it's along the same lines as the mental stability in the Tritac, where you have these weird biotech creations, sort of a parasitic race, kind of like the Gould called the Fahazi. And they made these weird creatures and they've got, that you basically take spirit damage for interacting with them. It could be everything from the Fahazi themselves to their living starships that are like 1,500 feet long. You still look at them and they're just, I, I kind of use the whole term non-Euclidean geometry and just the fact that it's, well, it's, gross and slimy and flying through space and yeah they have set basically spirit checks sanity checks so yeah that that's another term it just it your mileage may vary depending on what game system or setting you're using and it it does it can throw off your characters if you have the tangible penalties even if it's okay if you get to negative five spirit you're sickened if you get to negative 10 spirit you're nauseated to where basically i think in pathfinder you can't do anything at all except maybe a move action every round you can't do anything that requires concentration like spells so yeah if you have a gradiating lower and lower gradients the more and more you go through after a while your players are going to realize yeah this stuff's messed up we we don't <laughs> we need to hey look there's the exit yeah um or you need to do something to mitigate it well, yeah, yeah. You Again, know, John, you, Jonathan's previous thing, kill it with fire. Yeah, Right. Um, uh, well, Jonathan, uh, why don't you talk about um, how sound, we talked a little bit about this, but how sound can create this disquieting stuff we were talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, because we are so good at associating a sound with a, a certain experience. Um, I think, and I, I, we'll probably end up talking more about it later, but I think the only sense that can really do it better is smell. But yeah, sound can also, you know, we talk about how sound can bring you back to, to, you know, nostalgia and you hear a song and you can think back to when you first heard that song or something like that. And it, it works the same way. If you have that squishy, crunchy, you know, all those sounds that you can associate, especially if you've been primed ahead of time to think that there's something going on like if you say yeah you see um a whole lot of bugs around and then you go into a room and you're starting to hear the crunch and crackle of boots crushing lots of exoskeletons and crunchy bugs that helps your your brain will automatically associate that and go oh yeah those are bugs i'm stepping on even if it's not really bugs it, you know it's fortune cookies but yeah sound can be so good at just evoking the imagination and especially the things that the sounds that we recognize that usually only have one source like that 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 what we talked earlier that slurping kind of squishing of slime underneath the feet or something like that that kind of sound yeah but like a um one of the one of the things that people in, who first went to explore Africa, they had trouble sleeping because of all the strange sounds. I mean, the sounds of the insects are wrong, the sounds of the birds mm. are wrong, and of course, growling they might hear off in the brush somewhere. You know, even if they were, they felt safe inside their tents or inside of you know some structure, they still they could hear it, and it 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 didn't allow them to to go into a restful sleep. Sounds they'd never heard in their their normal lives before. Yeah, were certainly all around them. Right, 
And in some science fiction stories, they, they, they had this one, you know, there's one sound. It sounded like this most ravenous monster there ever was. You know, it was going to come and get them, okay? And they could never find it. It turned out it was this little frog creature that just produced this enormously scary sound. <laughs> and it was probably its own defense, you know? But, um, you know, that was... Uh, uh, but, yeah, everybody was, like, terrified of, of what... And they couldn't find this creature. It was like an invisible monster that was stalking around their camp because, of course, it was coming out of some tiny little amphibian that nobody thought, you know, it only made the sound at night when it was dark because <laughs> its predators mm. were looking for it to eat at that time. So in the daytime, it never made a peep. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org, colon 8027.